We are so happy to have brother and sister Scott Graham with us today. Sister Graham is originally from Florida, from the Bradenton area. In fact, we used to be Bible quizzers at the same time here as young people in the state of Florida. But uh, brother Scott came down from Illinois and pulled her out of Florida and took her to the frozen tundra of Illinois and St. Louis, Missouri. But uh, we just have adopted him as being a Florida boy. Love, brother and sister Graham. Brother Graham and I were both youth presidents many years ago and got into the youth department at the same time. And then um, I don't know what happened to me. I think I got fired or removed, but he was promoted to be in the international youth president and then the Missouri district superintendent and now last year voted as the general secretary of the United Pentecostal Church International representing over 5,000 churches just in North America meanwhile I'm still just trying to keep my license in the organization but we love these guys they're a tremendous uh, benefit to our organization of churches brother graham has has preached and reached a whole generation been a declarer of truth for many years and we're so delighted that they are with us today in palm bay florida would you make them feel welcome at first pentecostal church from st louis missouri brother scott graham used to having one there beside me to grab like that that's you know amateur <laughs> it's such a joy to be with you today and man what a great place to be this morning if you're not enjoying this and don't don't go to heaven you won't like it at all amen it's a wonderful thing to be saved to be part of the church just, and, and you should feel very uniquely blessed to be a part of this church. You should feel that way about the church that is your home and about your pastor and his lovely wife. You should, you should absolutely feel that way. Amen. I did indeed rescue my wife from all this sunshine and palm trees. I will say, however, in fairness, we are pretty much hurricane-free in Missouri. There are no tsunami warnings. We do have these little things called tornadoes, but... Nobody ever has an alligator in their backyard. Well, there's, there's perks, you know, there's perks. I was, uh, got connected with a guy from extreme northern Canada um, a while back, and he, he told me, he said, um, he said, we have, we have four seasons where I live. I said, you do? I mean, he's just, you understand, he's way north. He, he's just south of Santa. He's so far north. And, and he told me, he said, we have four seasons. Where I live, he said, we have um, almost winter, winter, still winter, and July 10th. Those are the four seasons they have where he's at. Now, ours is not quite that bad, but uh, it it is a little different, and my wife has proven her love by staying with me up there in in the Midwest. And it's a joy to be with you today. I want to direct your attention to the word of the Lord today, Mark chapter 5. Your pastor and his wife are our precious friends and very, very special people. And in spite of his self-deprecating uh, comments,
comments. He is uh, a very valued part, wide, widely uh, cherished across our fellowship, both for his preaching and for his expertise in numerous areas. And your, your, your church, through him, has a, has a footprint across the United Pentecostal Church. You should feel good about that. You really should. So thank God for that. Amen. Mark chapter 5, and I will begin reading in verse number 22. Mark chapter 5 and 22 says this, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come. Lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed. She shall live. Down to verse 35 in this chapter. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, from this man's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he didn't even address the people that were talking. He just turned around to that guy, spoke to the ruler of the synagogue, and he said, Be not afraid, only believe. He suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the the tumult. He sees all the chaos, them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he he saith unto them, it's a strange phrase to me. What's the fuss? What are you making such, what's, what's all the noise about? Well, she's dead. He said, no, no, no. The damsel is not dead, but sleeping. Now, I, I, I don't know that I've ever done this before, this message, I mean this sermon. I, I don't know if I'll do it again, but at least once in my life, I got a sermon title from a bumper sticker. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, pulled up the stoplight a while back, and there on, on the car in front of me on the bumper sticker, and I thought, well, that ought to be preached. And all it said was this, the good news is, the bad news is wrong. Now I got good news for somebody today. Whatever hell has been telling you, he is the liar and the father of it. And you just got to choose to put more trust in what God says than what hell has been telling you. Whatever good news, whatever bad news you've been hearing, I got good news for you today. It's wrong. Amen. You can be seated. The Lord bless you today. Your pastor mentioned that he and I were served as youth presidents in our respective districts back in the day. There was a gentleman who served with us whose name shall remain anonymous at the moment. I'll tell you after service if you don't know who this is. Um, He had what I consider to be one of absolutely the funniest situations that has ever happened in a youth camp in the history of the oneness movement occurred at his camp. As his, the counselors came to him one day, he was the youth president running his camp. They came to him one day and said, I almost called his name. Um, we'll call him Bob. Bob, um, we've got a little problem with one, one of the girls. We're pretty sure, and they named this girl, we're pretty sure she's smoking here on the campground. They're not supposed to. He said, well, uh, let's, I, t- I tell you what, he said, they're, they're going to be coming over for service here shortly. So we get him in the tabernacle, we'll go in and search her room and see if, you know, find evidence of that. So they did. They came back to him right before service started and said, well, yeah, we found, we found cigarettes there in, in her room. 
And not only did we find cigarettes, uh, we found marijuana cigarettes. And uh, not only did we find that, we found a bag of something, and the head of our security is a police officer, and he identified it, they're marijuana seeds. And um, so Bob said, well, uh, we'll have to deal with it, but we're about to start church. She needs church, so let's not pull her out of church. We'll let her go through church, and then we'll, we'll deal with it after service. Maybe she'll repent. And... Uh, <laughs> That night, she sang the solo with the choir. So Bob is there just chewing his tongue off, you know, as he's watching this gal that's living wrong up there singing the solo of the choir. So after service, they bring her. Now you say, that's not a real funny story yet. It is. Just trust me on this one. They brought her in, started talking with her, and, and, and now her actions are not funny. Yes, she admits she is indeed smoking, and uh, she picked that up from an unsaved boy she's dating in high school. Uh, yes, she did bring the cigarettes with her. In fact, she has introduced her roommate in the, dorm, in the dorm to her first cigarette while they've been there. Yes, indeed, those are marijuana cigarettes. She smokes that on occasion, too. And yes, indeed, they are, um, they are marijuana seeds because this was the last camp of the summer, and she thought she could go down by the river on the back of the campground and plant those. And then they could come back and harvest it later. You know, she's an entrepreneur, and um, she's going to grow marijuana on the UPC campground. Yeah. <laughs> so Bob says to his district youth secretary, uh, he said, I need her registration form. I need to call her mom, you know, and, and talk to her folks. And so she gets, he gets the form, and um, her mom's name is Bertha, which just makes this story better somehow. <laughs> and he gets Bertha on the phone, and he says, Sister Bertha, this is Bob at the camp. And he said, I'm having a little problem. Well, no, that's not fair. I'm, I'm having a, a pretty significant problem with, with your daughter. Bertha says, oh. She said, yeah. He said, Bob said, there's really no good way to start this conversation. He said, um, let me just dive right in. Are you aware that your daughter is smoking cigarettes? He said, when I said that on the other end of the phone, Bertha went, oh! <laughs> no! And Bob said, I thought to myself, it's going to get bad before it's over. If she got that kind of reaction over this, it's going to get bad when I start telling her about the growing marijuana part. She was just like, oh, God, no, no, not my baby. So what Albert, the other said, she, um, she got this from a, uh, are you, a, I take it then you're not aware she's dating a, a, a boy from her high school who's, who's not in your church. Oh! So when I'll just, I, I'm sorry, I've got to tell you the whole story. She, she brought the cigarettes, came, oh! She gave them to her roommate. Oh, God, no. said, well, this next part's going to be a little tough, Bertha. You better brace yourself a little bit here. He said, that's not all she's smoking. She's also smoking marijuana. The wailing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my baby. He said, now brace yourself for this next part, Bertha. It's going to get a little tough. <laughs> He said she, and he told her about bringing the seeds, go to plant it, grow the marijuana, come back and harvest. He said, he said, Scott, I'm telling you, this lady was hyperventilating. She's I'm afraid I was going to have to get medical help for her. He said, she just, she is losing it. So finally, after about 15 or 20 minutes, he just calmed down enough. She said, well, can I talk with her? He said, oh, certainly. So he goes back in the room where the, the teeny bopper is, and he says, uh, got your mom on the phone. You need to come. She wants to talk with you. And the girl looked at him and said, my mom. But my mom left when I was two. I haven't seen her since. He had the wrong form. Oh my God. 
He had talked to the wrong mom about the wrong girl. Bertha's daughter is a little angelic 13-year-old who has never done anything wrong in her life, has never jaywalked in history, sitting on the front row of every service, in the altar, every night, this angelic, wonderful little girl. Now Bob said, I'm looking at that form going, oh, God. Went back in, picked the phone up, said, Sister Bertha, there's been a terrible mistake. Your daughter's doing great. Said, she's on the other end of the phone. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He said, she's wonderful. Your daughter, he said, in fact, she's probably in the running for camper. In fact, I could almost guarantee you she will be. You just write it down. Go ahead and plan the party. It's done. She's the name's on the trophy. She's that gal got off the phone. Now there might have come a time a little later she got mad about the whole thing, but she wasn't mad right then. All she was right then was rejoicing that somebody stepped into her world and said, Everything bad you've heard is not right. All she really got was somebody to step up and say, you've heard a bunch of stuff that's not true, but I've come now to tell you the truth. The good news is all the bad news you ever heard is wrong. I wish I had something complicated to preach to you right now, but I've really got something pretty simple. There are people here that hell has been giving you a bad report, telling you all kinds of negative stuff, promising you a negative outcome. God sent a preacher today to give you a simple message. You need to listen to a different voice today that tells you everything's going to be okay. It's not like hell is telling you ought to rejoice a little bit today in this message. The good news is, the bad news is wrong. I'm not defeated. I'm not going down. It's not over. It's not hopeless. My God is still alive and he's on my side and he gives me good news today. This is exactly what happened in our text today. Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, has a 12-year-old daughter who is at the point of death. He goes to Jesus for help and says, if you'll just come, if you'll just touch her, I know my baby's going to be okay if you'll just touch my child. He had great faith. He was expressing faith. If you just come and touch her, everything's going to be okay. So Jesus starts on his way to his house. A throng of people mob him. The Bible tells us that in the midst of that, a lady with an issue of blood comes crawling up and touches the hem of his garment. She said, if I can just touch him, everything is going to be all right. And in that instant, I don't have time to preach about that, but in that instant, virtue flows out of him and touches that precious lady. And she's healed. Jesus stops, speaks, ministers to her. His faith could never have been higher than in that moment. I went to him. He agreed to come. He's doing miracles. I'm not just believing for miracles. I'm seeing miracles. He's in a miracle mode right now. He touched a lady who has a condition that's as old as my daughter is. It's going to be okay. And in that moment, when his faith was highest, they showed up. You don't need to bother him anymore. It's too late now. She's gone. She drew her last breath. 
It's over. There's no reason to go anymore. There's no reason. There's no reason to give one more praise because it's over. There's no reason to go to the altar one more time. It's over. There's no hope. There's no way out. Nothing can be done. It is final. You see, that's the nature of bad news. It reeks of finality. It tells you there's no hope left. There's nothing to be done. You might as well give up. You might as well just quit. You're all alone. Nobody cares. It's done for you. And then Jesus looks at him and says, oh, no, no, no. This story's not over yet. I'm still going to your house. And he just takes two or three with him, leaves the mob behind. When he gets there and hears all the crying, he looks at him and says, what are you crying about? Well, Jesus, I thought they brought word to you. She's dead. No, no, no. She is not dead. She's only asleep. If you'll allow me, Jesus just looked at them and said, I've got some good news for you. I don't care what the experts have told you. I don't care how many doctors have checked for her pulse. I don't care if the coroner showed up and signed the death certificate. Somebody just walked in this house that has more authority than the coroner has. Somebody... Somebody just stepped in here that's got more power than the doctors... Somebody just stepped in here that has the final say in this matter. And if I say she's not dead, she's not dead. I don't care. I don't care how many people tell you she's dead. I say she's not. I don't care what your eyes see. I say she's not. I don't care what your ears hear. I say she's not. I need somebody right now to lift your head up a little bit and say, I don't care what I've been seeing. I don't care what I've been hearing. I don't care what I've been feeling. I know my Jesus is still on the throne and he has a different report today I got good news for you the bad news is wrong you're not alone it's not over it's not finished Jesus still reigns Jesus is still in control there's only one on the throne and he has not ceded his kingdom He has not surrendered his crown to any human authority. He has not surrendered his authority to anybody down here. So I don't care what anybody here says. What does Jesus say? My senses can tell me one thing, but the truth can say something entirely different. And the truth is that Jesus is still on his throne. (laughs) The absolute truth is that no matter how bad the news is you've received... The bad news is wrong. Hallelujah. The date was, I'm going to jump forward just a little and jump back, but the date was in 1815 on June 18th. I don't know if anybody here remembers that. It was in what is now present-day Belgium. You give me the first slide. This is when this battle ensued. June 18th, 1815 was the famous Battle of Waterloo. was the final conflict between the European forces of the 7th Coalition under Duke Wellington aligned against Napoleon Bonaparte from France. These are the two combatants, the two generals that led those forces. At risk is the stability of England. France has Napoleon's imperialistic mindset. He intended to overthrow Britain and take over the great kingdom and This is the battle on which the future hinges. This is the battle on which their well-being hangs. And so the battle is fought there on the plains of what is now again now is Belgium. Battle was done. Now you understand you could not just post it on Twitter. 
get word back to England was not a matter of sending a text message. They brought the results of the battle by ship across the channel. And then by signal flags, it was communicated from hilltop to hilltop, the results of the battle. From hilltop to hilltop to hilltop until finally the message had arrived at the hilltop just outside of London. And the man on that hill turned around with the flags to communicate the message letter by letter to the, to the watchman on the wall in, England, in London to communicate to him the results of the battle. Challenge was that while he's signaling, the fog came rolling in as London is wont to have. And this is the message they got. Wellington defeated. Panic set in in the city. Everyone was out of their minds with fear. Historians tell us they were gathering up their families to flee out of the city because they thought France was about to invade. They were scared and terrified and their reaction was perfectly normal given what they had received. The problem was they hadn't gotten the whole message yet. When the sun began to burn and the fog lifted, that guy was frantically on the next hill giving the rest of the message because he didn't say well and defeated, it said this. And then all their fear was wasted because their general was still in control. All their fear was useless because their general had won the battle. All I'm telling somebody today is the reason you've been scared is you've only heard half the end of the message. The fog has come rolling in and you've been a little fearful. But you know what's going to happen today? The sunlight of God's heaven is going to shine and burn the fog. And you're going to look through a different set of lens and say, my God is not defeated and I'm not defeated. My God is not defeated and I'm not defeated I'll tell you what went on my enemy went down my enemy is defeated everything's okay for me because Jesus still reigns my dear friends I've come to preach the gospel today the gospel is good news you may not be aware but that's what the word means the gospel is good news you may be here today with a long list of mistakes and failures in your past and maybe the devil has even tried and maybe even succeeded in making you feel so worthless and dirty and unlovable that you cannot imagine this church would even care about you. I've got good news for you today. That's a lie out of the belly of hell. Any voice that has tried to tell you that you're too dirty for God to love is a voice out of the pit of hell. I've got good news for you today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The bad news sounds like this. You're from the wrong family. You don't have what it takes. You can't change. The good news sounds like this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things. Is there anybody glad about that today? The bad news says you've stained your life. You're so messed up, you'll always be what you are. You can't ever be clean. But the good news is, let's reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be like snow. I'll make them white as snow, though they be red like crimson. I'll make them as wool. Is there a witness in the house that you brought all your stains to Jesus? And the good news said, no, you can be clean. You can be pure. 
the bad news says there's no remedy for your sin. The good news says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is there a witness in the house that one day the good news changed your life? good news for you today your life can be changed got good news for you today you ain't messed up too much got good news for you today this church loves you got good news for you today you just found your home see the enemy and I'm telling you the devil has been doing this for centuries This has been a tactic of his for a long time. Try to get you to believe bad news when it's a lie. Go visit a little city called Dothan in Israel. I wish you'd come with me. The king of Syria is really upset at Israel because he keeps laying these traps for him and, and, and none of them work. He thinks he's got a spy in his inner court that's giving word to him. Finally, one of his guys said, no, no spy. They've got a prophet. And this prophet keeps hearing from God. That's why you can't catch him. I'm going to show you how dumb the enemy is. He says, oh, they've got a prophet that's hearing from God. He's hearing everything we're saying here in secret. Oh, we'll go kill him. (laughs) Thanks, Sherlock. That was brilliant. (laughs) He already knows everything you're saying in your bedchamber. Now you think you're going to sneak up on him. So he sends his army. And they go down to Dothan to try to kill the prophet. And sure enough, man, one night they surround the city. They got guys on all sides. And in the morning, Elisha and his servant wake up. And the servant looks out. Syrian armies all around. Elisha's just having coffee and his servant's having a breakdown. (laughs) 2 Kings 6.15, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host past the city about watch with horses and chariots and his servant said to him oh alas my master what shall we do bad news boss the Syrian army has surrounded us and there is no way out we don't have any options there's no plan B we are doomed and I see Elisha kind of sigh and smile and say well Your bad news is not exactly right. 2 Kings 6.16, this is what he says. He answered and said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. (laughs) Servant said, "Uh, you're a good prophet, but you're mathematically challenged. There's you and there's me. I know you ain't looked out recently, but two is not more than them. The prophet looked at him and said, oh, you're still believing the bad news, but the bad news is not right. So in 2 Kings 6, 17, he says this, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. 
He didn't say, God, I pray you'd kill all my enemies. God, I pray you'd let lightning strike and kill them all. He just said, God, what we need is an ability to see things a little different than we see right now. Would you open his eyes? And the servant went back out and looked. And this time he didn't see the army around here. He saw the army around there. There were chariots of horses and fo- chariots of fire and horses of fire all around the outside of the Syrians. All of a sudden, that servant walked back in and said, I got good news. We're surrounded, all right, but we're surrounded by the army of God. We're surrounded by deliverance. We're surrounded by healing. We're surrounded by miracles. Somebody needs to lift your head up a little bit today and say, I'm not just surrounded by trouble. I'm surrounded by a problem solver. I'm not surrounded by sickness. I'm surrounded by a healer. Look around today. There's somebody else around you. I'm telling you, the only ones that should have been scared that morning were the Syrians. Bad news says you're surrounded. Good news says my enemy is surrounded. Bad news says you're in trouble. Good news says, nope, my enemy's in trouble. Bad news says you can't see a way out. You need to read just a little further where God struck all of them with blindness. They were the ones that couldn't see the way out. Just trying to encourage somebody today. It's not like you currently see it. Somebody's been spending all week listening to everything the enemy's been telling you. Every time you close your eyes at night and you get up in the morning, there's that same voice saying, it's over. That backslidden spouse is never coming back. It's over. Doctors have said there's no medical options left. It's over. There's no joy coming back for you. It's over. Journey with me to the city of Jerusalem. Time when the mighty Assyrian army has surrounded the the nation's capital. Their king Sennacherib has been running roughshod over the countryside. Conquering city after city, land after land, nation after nation. And now they've come against God's people. They've got a fellow named Rabshakeh. Don't really think that's his name. Indications are that probably his title. He was the general of their forces. And the the unfortunate thing for Israel is he speaks Hebrew. He stands outside the walls of Jerusalem and starts calling into them. And he starts saying things like this, 2 Kings 18, 18, 28. Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. I'm sorry, that's not the great king. Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. I'm sorry, I'm too busy listening to the words of the great king. Thus saith the king, he said, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered. He said, Don't you, there's that voice out there saying, Don't you listen to the preacher. Don't you let your faith rise up and grab this. You'll just be disappointed again. 
By hearing that voice right now, I'm telling you, it's real. He's standing outside the wall saying, I know Hezekiah's trying to tell you everything's going to be okay, but Hezekiah, he don't know what he's talking about. You're in trouble, and you better not think you're not in trouble. Don't listen to Hezekiah, and right now there are voices from hell trying to tell you, you've heard this before. Don't listen. Don't let your faith rise up. You're just going to be disappointed. Don't listen to that preacher. There's got to be somebody inside Jerusalem that says, you know what, Rabshak, I didn't come here to listen to your voice. I came here to hear the voice of the Lord. At some point you've got to say whose report are we going to believe are we going to believe the report coming from out there are we going to believe the report that comes from in here i'm looking for somebody today that wants to rise up and say i hear what you're saying but i'm not listening to you anymore i'm listening to what my savior says watch let's watch Shortly thereafter, it would have been easy to get discouraged by everything that was coming from outside those walls. But shortly thereafter, God sent a prophet. His name was Isaiah. Can you get me 2 Kings 19 and 32? 2 Kings 19 and 32, a man of God stood up. I'm not likening myself to Isaiah. But God sent a voice to stand up and speak to them. And this is what he said in 2 Kings uh, 19 and 32. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. I know what Rabshakeh says, but thus saith the Lord. Somebody hear me. I know what the doctor says, but thus saith the Lord. I, I know what the banker says, but thus saith the Lord. I know what hell's been saying, but thus saith the Lord. Concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. He said, not only is he not going to conquer you, I'm not going to let him shoot one arrow into town. And that night, my dear friends, one angel with an attitude. Just one showed up outside Jerusalem and laid 185,000 of them dead in the dirt. Because when God says it's not going to touch you, I don't care how it looks. I don't care how many people tell you you're crazy. Just, just stay with me. Can you imagine somebody that heard Isaiah trying to tell somebody that didn't hear Isaiah? Good news. He's not even going to shoot an arrow in here. Right. Have you looked out there? Have you looked up here? Did you hear what did you hear what he said? One angel shows up, kills 185,000. Do you remember who camps around you? When you got up this morning and Rabshakeh was telling you there's no hope, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. And I'm just trying to tell somebody you've got more on your side than are against you. I'm trying to tell somebody there may be horses and chariots, but there's horses and chariots of fire in another ring around about you. I need somebody's faith to rise up right now and say, God, I've heard what Isaiah said. I've heard what the prophet said. I've heard what the word of the Lord says. And no matter what I may be facing, I lift my head a little higher right now. My king's not defeated. My king's on the throne. It's not over. God's still in control. I wish we'd lift a shout of celebration in here right now and begin to magnify our Savior. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. 
I need everybody here to jump up to your feet and begin to make some noise of rejoicing in this house. Somebody that's been going through it ought to rise up and say, I hear what God has said to me right now. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. somebody to just be like that little sister that says you may not understand what I'm doing but I've been listening to this stuff for so long and all of a sudden I'm lifting up my eyes everything's going to be okay my God is on my side it's not over criticize somebody that has heard a word from Isaiah. Don't feel bad at somebody that's heard from Isaiah. Now and then you just gotta say, I don't care what you think. It's gonna be alright. It's gonna be alright. It's gonna be alright. Oh, hallelujah. God stepped in and reminded his people that no goofy field commander from Assyria decides what happens to Jerusalem. He can say what he wants, but God said, I'm in control. He can brag all he wants to, but I'm still in control. He can lie all he wants to, I'm still in control. He can bluster and threaten all he wants to, but I'm still in control. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help somebody right now. You need to step out in the aisle and come down here to the front and say, God, you're still in control. I don't know how it's going to work out, but you're still in control. You need to bring your knee down here and throw your hands in the air and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're still in control. No voice out of hell decides what happens to me. No lying devil gets to decide what happens to my family. God is still in control. I want you to come with a sound of rejoicing. Don't you come down here weeping today. I want you to come rejoicing. My God is in oh shout with the voice of triumph shout with the voice of praise shout with the voice of triumph shout with the voice of praise shout unto God for the victory hey hey give the Lord a Shout with the voice of child. Shout with the voice of 
sustain them. We are victorious. God is most high. singing. I want you to envision whatever crisis you're dealing with in your life. I want you to imagine the moment when the good news comes. You got a child that's away from God? I want you to imagine the moment that somebody calls and says, he just came running to the altar and he's talking in tongues. You got a diagnosis in your body that the doctor says can't be helped? I want you to imagine the moment when the doctor looks at you and says, I don't understand it. I don't know what happened, but it's not there anymore. You got a situation on your job. I want you to imagine what it is when you get a job, a promotion, whatever it is. When that moment comes and the voice says, just like it did to Bertha. Bertha, there's been a terrible mistake. It's not like I said. Something different happened. I promise you when you get that phone call, you're not going like this. You're going to get caught up in celebrating the good news. So somebody needs to just start saying, I've got the victory. We've got the victory. I've got the victory. Yeah. 
Yeah.